Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I am here with Paul Vanderboer. Paul is Senior Director of Data Science at Process. Paul, welcome to the Twimble AI Podcast. Good to be back. It is great to reconnect with you following TwimbleCon. Very grateful for Process's support of the event. And this is the second time, well, second time we've done TwimbleCon and the second time that you've participated in it. And maybe we'll just start by having you share a little bit about your background, but also, you know, we got to know one another based on you having listened to the podcast for a while. So, you know, how did that come to be? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, indeed, uh, you could call me a Twimmel, uh, uh, Twimmel groupie. Uh, <laughs> so I've, been, <laughs> I've been listening to the podcast for, for a long time. I always enjoyed, uh, you know, the guests you had on the show. And um, was very excited when when we got the chance to participate in the uh, the first Tomocon. You know, I have maybe to take a step back. So my background is in engineering. Started in aerospace engineering, then worked a little bit of time in industry, designing turbines, and then moved on to do a PhD at Carnegie Mellon. After which I spent some time in consulting. You know, helping uh, clients uh, you know ramp up their data science efforts, uh, and then spent quite a bit of time uh, you know helping grow the Data Science for Social Good Foundation, which you uh, I think you be- I believe you know as well with Rayid Ghani, and since then moved uh, moved to work almost full time uh, at Prozis, basically where I uh, help build the AI team that's there today, and um, that's uh, also in that role I, I uh, got to participate in the, the first Tomocon. Which, as you know, there's no dearth in AI conferences out there, um, and we we try to you know participate in you know a couple a year, but have to always choose wisely. And uh, you know, while there's a couple of very good research conferences that you know, actually we met at the first one in Europe. The first time we met was at NeurIPS, um, mm-hmm. and um, that's one example. And there's many others, but uh, there's not so many practical, focused or applied conferences with you know experienced practitioners. Talking about you know what they're experiencing uh, on the front of uh, you know of, of bringing and applying machine learning and bringing that into production at scale and I, I think that was for me the real let's say joy of participating in the first Tomocon edition and to be honest uh, again in the second time so that that's exactly how I experienced the um, uh, let's say the, the biggest value of meeting other folks that are dealing with very similar challenges. When it comes to uh, you know uh, applied settings, um, that's very different than just the research challenges that we also work on and, and face all sorts of different challenges. So, mm-hmm. for folks who don't know, why don't you share a little bit about Prosys? Yeah, so Prosys is uh, one of the largest consumer internet companies out there. It's actually a, a tech investor. Uh, we always joke it's the largest company you haven't heard of. So we're uh, over $150 billion listed in, in the Amsterdam Stock Exchange. And we focus on a couple of consumer-focused segments. And uh, I'll name them just so you get a bit of a sense of what the products are that, uh, and the problems that are that we deal with, also from a data science point of view. So the first one is food delivery. So we have a couple of big food delivery operations in various parts of the world, mostly in uh, growth markets, so in India and Brazil. We have, the, the, let's say, the leading food delivery players. Then we also have a, a, a edtech segment. So it's educational technology in which we have various businesses that we've invested in that uh, have their own, let's say, AI challenges. Then we have a big uh, group of companies that focus on uh, secondhand marketplaces. We call that classifieds. 
a particular brand called OLX, which is in over uh, 40 countries, uh, different parts of the world. There's 300 million active users on a monthly basis. Again, in, it's in most in growth markets. So, you know, uh, Eastern Europe, Russia, India, a lot of South America. And then we have a fourth segment um, that we call payments, basically. So we have a big payment gateway uh, operator that's operational all over the world, but a heavy base also in India. Mm. So one of the things that I think that Twomocon does really well is bringing folks together to share their experiences, operationalizing and productionalizing machine learning from a bunch of different perspectives. But you actually have that within process because you've got so many companies that you work with that are bringing models to production. And that was really the focus of your presentation at the conference, uh, which was called Building ML Platform Capabilities at Global Scale. Can you talk a little bit about the presentation and what you shared with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. Indeed, because we have many different businesses that are part of, of the process group, which each have their own you know, AI teams and AI operations, I'm part of the central process AI team. And you know, I get the pleasure to work with many of those teams and look at the different challenges they face. And uh, within process, we built this uh, global community of, of data scientists that we call the, the Data Science Guild. That has uh, you know hundreds of data scientists that that meet on you know on informal formal basis or several times a year to discuss and share use cases and problems that uh, that they face and of course one of the things that all of these teams are working on is the topic of uh, machine learning platforms and uh, as was the of course also the the, the goal of the of, of Tumocon, that's is a, a key subject there so we. What I spoke about at the during the presentation was basically how different parts of the businesses have chosen to build a different uh, or have chosen a different approach in building machine learning platform capabilities. You know, all of them have very similar problems, but as you can imagine, the ML platform requirements that would be needed for delivering, you know, a food order in Delhi in an average under thirty minutes, like we see at Swiggy, is very different than a machine learning platform. That would need to satisfy, you know, tens of millions of uh, of listings that are uploaded on the, our classifieds platforms, where users are trying to buy and sell goods. It's a lot of user-generated content it needs to be moderated, for example, but also some of the goods we try and do price prediction. So it's very different nature of the problems. Also, different data modalities, looking at image data, text data. Maybe if you have go back to food delivery, you have logistics and how you sort of try and optimize that entire space. So. Uh, the presentation was focused on the differences in the machine learning platform capabilities that we've seen, but also uh, highlighting what are some of the common things that, that we see, right? Which is, those are equally interesting. And uh, and I think the underlying message was that, let's say, a thread in the conversation that I also have with, with many of the business leaders in these uh, organizations are uh, about using machine learning and the platforms to really scale, right? So each of the businesses, I spoke about three businesses that we have basically have uh, hundreds of millions of users have to cater to tens of millions of infidelity orders a month. Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, millions of listings are uploaded a day. At these kinds of volumes, the role of the platform uh, becomes much more than a nice to have. It's, it's become basically essential to having machine learning operations in production in a reliable way. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the your presentation really goes a long way towards illustrating why a one-size-fits-all kind of approach to machine learning platforms isn't likely to be the right answer, right? You've got 
these very different businesses under the same umbrella. If any place you were going to try to, hey, let's just centralize all of this and, you know, we'll have this, you know, one machine learning central master environment, it would be process. But you find that it's not just that in one case you have, you know, a deep learning model. In another case, you have a, a, an NLP model or a tabular data model. It's not just that the models are different, but the needs of a real-time use case are very different from the needs of a batch use case. And you've got these mapping use cases. Just the, I think what you, if you take a step back and kind of think about what you've presented, like it's kind of these very organic evolution of a solutions to particular problems. You know, I wonder how much you agree with that. You know, if all of a sudden, you know, all of those, I don't know what the the right way to frame this scenario is. Like if you, oftentimes a system evolves the way it evolves because of that history. But if you could start over, like you might do it differently. I'm wondering if, do you think about that at all? If you could start over with all these businesses, would you still have these separate platforms off in their own directions? And would they be very different? or, Or could you ever imagine getting to, kind of one master platform? And that's a fascinating question. We Believe me, we do talk about that a lot, actually, because uh, we've asked ourselves a question, well, just like you say, why don't we have or think about building some of these capabilities centrally? Because it seems like a logical question at the, at the, from the outside, right? Uh, but as soon as you go a little bit deeper, there's a couple of things that come into play. So the first one is this path dependency on sort of the architecture and, and the other infrastructure components in a company. And that means that, you know, if you're moving in a certain way, you've already chosen certain tools, you know, you can't just pretend it's a greenfield exercise and you're going to build this in a vacuum. You need to sort of think about the interfaces that you're going to have for the platform. And those are obviously going to be many because it comes from the data side and, you know, on the serving side and all, all, the, all the stuff that we talked about. So, so let's, you know, for a moment, assume that you wouldn't have those path dependencies and would you be able to build like a common machine learning platform uh, across the group, I think even then it would be very difficult. And there's a few reasons for that. First of all, is that you have the, you do have different business requirements, as I mentioned. Right? So if there's a business that has a different nature, so payments, uh, having to basically approve payments in a, you know, a low latency, high velocity, high volume kind of way versus predicting food delivery orders and managing all the logistics behind that. And then again, classified, there's very, very different use cases, whether it's data modalities, real-time batch, those kinds of differences will will actually have fundamentally different consequences for the architecture of your platform. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing to be gained by looking at this from a group level, right? And there are a couple of elements where we increasingly see that the benefit of trying to you know, do, not do this all independently and, and, and crack the same problems again independently. I think it's one of the pieces is you know, sharing what we experience is about tooling, right? There's so many tools that are coming out that are sometimes pretending or claiming that they can solve different parts of the ML platform capability list, let's say. And uh, and some of them do, right? But uh, they will not work always for your situation. So by sharing some of that knowledge across the group, we can avoid having to make mistakes or we can basically increase our learning, right, uh, together. I think that that's one thing we do quite a bit. In some cases, we also go a little bit further and actually help each other, you know, take specific components or, you know, let's say follow certain recipe books around how we've built a certain part of the platform, whether it's uh, using, for example, the way we've uh, set up our KF serving module, right, for real-time predictions. Well, uh, there are certain people and teams in the, in the group that have done that already. So let's actually take how they've done it, not what they've done, but how they've done it, and take that recipe and, and the lessons learned and re-implement it somewhere else. 
so there's a lot of knowledge sharing on that level. But, you know, there's also something which, you know, it's just the way things are is that there's an important component of timing. So, you know, if you, and I think I discussed this as well in the presentation, you know, if you were looking at some of these things three years ago versus you're trying to look at them today, the options that you would consider for building that capability are going to be very different. So three years ago, you probably would have to build a lot more of the stuff yourself from the ground up. Whereas today, you've got a whole list of tools that are out there, it still is very hard to pick the right tool. I think that's not, that's definitely not trivial because there's just so many. And, and, and uh, you know, it's not, we haven't gotten to the point yet where there's a, a consolidated short list of, you know, if you want to build your feature store, this is what you should do. I mean, there are a couple of good solutions out there, but actually, if you look at the entire list, it's probably dozens and dozens who claim to do that for you well. And so making a good choice for your situation is not trivial. And then, you know, the question that we think about a lot is what, what does it look like in three years from now, right? Sure. So even if you could you know, start over. It, exactly. <laughs> even if you could start over, you know, will we go to a point where you can go and just, you know, take this sort of end-to-end, you know, tool, for example, is Kubeflow going in that direction? How much of the problem will that be able to solve? And we've seen a difference in, in adoption on that tool on, on its own. So, I mean, you know, we had a joke in the team. If, if we had to drink a shot for every time we heard the, the word Kubernetes or Kubeflow during the Tumulcon conference, we wouldn't make it to the end, right? Because <laughs> it, was, it was just, you know, it, it, the frequency <laughs> was very high. But that also says something about the adoption of those tools. And so, you know, I think there are signs that we're consolidating or at least agreeing, converging to a set of tools. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I still think that even in three years, you will need to carefully look at the business requirements and, and, and see what the rest of the stack looks like to, to make a choice that works well for you. And it won't, probably won't be a plug-and-play uh, end-to-end uh, tool that, uh, that serves them all or rules yeah. them all. Yeah, all that in mind, you offered, I thought, a really well-put set of principles that has worked for your teams at process. Can you go through, you know, some of those and, and you know what they mean for you, how you've arrived at them? Yeah, I think there, there's a couple of things. So one of the common lessons learned and or at least things that we saw work well in choosing the set the the, the let's say the architecture for the for the platform is making sure you abstract in some way the complexities of the underlying infrastructure away from the end user and um, you know to make it specific like a lot of these models in the end need to serve a prediction and need to preserve a score and making sure that that score can be made accessible in a standardized way hopefully some standardized api format that doesn't differ too much across the use cases makes it a lot easier to integrate actually those models into a production use case for if you want to experiment or uh, doing, you know, green blue testing or whatever, all those things that you want to do before you sort of go full on in production, uh, if you have a standardized API, then the front end teams that need to do that integration or the other engineering teams will find it much easier to do if they only need to learn or you know, we all only need to agree on one or two ways of doing that instead of if you have 200 models, 200 different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of need to standardize that. And the second thing is you can also do that sometimes by creating a kind of a user face that abstracts the underlying pieces away. So it doesn't really matter for the end user. You know, they basically just select a model that they want to want to consume or look at or monitor or whatever, and they don't need to look at, well, is this a batch model real time? Is this using KFServe or some other approach? Is it, you know, all that stuff then doesn't become the worry of the end user that does the... Um, uh, the integration. 
that's one piece. Another reason for doing that, by the way, is actually uh, besides that it becomes easier to adopt and integrate and, and the velocity over the entire workflow gets higher, is that if you need to swap out underlying components, so you know maybe you need to change a different uh, you know different tool, you can do that without the end user being you know worried about what the about changes to their way of consuming the model. Mm-hmm. And again, that comes back to the other point. Tooling it, the landscape is changing quite rapidly, and so you probably want to have, in any case, a couple of tools working concurrently in parallel. And maybe to, to for yourself learn if those are the things you want to be using or, or settle on but also to try new tools as they become available. And that becomes much easier if you haven't just trained uh, hundreds of engineers uh, in your organization onto one specific way of doing things, uh, yeah. because now that's now you're locked in, in a way, right? Because now you have to retrain or reskill or whatever if you change a different tool and it has all sorts of then downstream consequences. So thinking about, let's say, standardization, but also abstraction between different users that allows you to to basically have a flexible design or uh, design for change uh, as we look at it setup. So I think those are a couple of things that uh, that I mentioned during the talk. I'm not sure there's other ones you had in mind, but yeah, no, that's that's exactly yeah. that's exactly it. There were were a couple of others um, like building for the long term and not reinventing the wheel and, and some other ideas. But overall, I think what I really loved most about your presentation was kind of the side-by-side view, you know, fairly, you know, deep level view on these different platforms that evolve to support these different use cases. And then the survey of, okay, what have you learned across all of these and how does that help you architect, you know, the N plus one system? It was really well done. Thanks. Any, uh, You also attended a bunch of the other parts of the conference. You participated in in the executive summit. You know, what do you think overall? Any kind of big takeaways for you from the event overall? Yeah, indeed, I attended lots of different uh, parts. I, by the way, I love the change in format. You know, from the team teardowns to sort of live Q and A to you know the executive summit, but also the the networking. Even the debate, so uh, I think that was uh, that was refreshing. You know, a couple of things that I enjoyed a lot because you they're unique for me to Tuomocon is the you know the things you can get out of an executive summit. For example, like bringing that group of people together to talk about problems that they faced. That was a you know something that I took away uniquely from Tuomocon, especially the discussion that we had. You know, in the session I was in on the executive summit was. For me, usually valuable, right? Sort of an open format discussion around what it takes to organize uh, teams, the language you use, and and and, and these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more specifically, if I look at the other parts of the uh, of Tumokan, I really enjoyed the team teardowns in particular because those highlighted also the organizational aspect that you need to go through in building the platform. Because we tend to, I mean, it's also my bias in a way, having a technical background. You tend to gravitate to tooling. And uh, and that's what we geek out on, right? And that's <laughs> fine. But you know, in, in actually building this stuff in in an organization, you, especially on something like an ML platform, it touches on so many stakeholders, right? And so mm-hmm. many guilds and different roles in the in the team. You need to think about you know what you call different roles, right? So I loved um, the I think it was the Spotify example where they had this um, engagement uh, manager. Yes, exactly. Yeah, engagement manager. Incredible idea. It's an incredible idea. It's it's like, okay, wait a second. That's not a role description I'd heard before. But yeah. the problem that you know the person Lex, I think, was trying to solve is the one we're all trying to solve in many yeah. different places. So I thought it's genius, right? It's nice. 
Yeah. So those are the kinds of things that, that I, I liked from, um, from the team teardowns. And of course, you know, enjoyed uh, listening to, you know, many of the other talks where people, you know, discussed uh, the challenges they had in, in real life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, well, Paul, great as always to catch up with you. And thanks again for uh, your participation and support of the conference. Yes. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to, to the next one. Absolutely. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit twimmelai.com. Of course, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.